This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and also holds the Certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Why do you give to charities? Our crew will give you their reasons while you think about yours and think about any questions you'd like to ask our chartered financial analyst about making charitable donations or other personal finance questions that come to mind. Contact us by email. Our address is money at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Ryder. Hope that you had a good Thanksgiving. Good morning, Kevin. I I did indeed. All right. Uh, What about money news in the news for this week? Yeah, so we've got two kind of juxtaposed stories here, one of a price going up and one of a price going down. We've talked kind of incessantly about inflation, and these these all play in. One number that came out today was called the Case-Shiller Index of Home Prices. So this is just an index. It looks at housing prices in 20 big cities around the country, kind of all the ones you would expect, New York, L.A., all the way down to Atlanta, D.C., Chicago, just big cities, 20 of them, and says where have the house prices gone. And that is up over the past year about 19%. It's been that way. It's been kind of hovering in the 19% range for a little while now. That's that's slightly down as a year over year from last month. So that that house prices kind of may indicate that may be leveling out now a bit, but maybe not. <laughs> it could just be taking a breather. And that's significantly higher than the long-term average of about 6% over the last 10 years. So that is a that is a price that is going up. On the other hand, this past couple of days, we have seen oil prices drop significantly. And this is news about the latest coronavirus uh, mutation, variant, uh, whatever we're calling it these days. So this kind of reminds me of last March uh, 2020 when uh, an almost complete shutdown of travel, of air travel, people working remotely, we're not driving as much. So that sent oil prices down precipitously. They went negative briefly. That was a really interesting and weird time. Prices have not dropped that much. Uh, gasoline, for instance, gasoline and oil are both down about 20%. I, I don't know. Those are the futures markets. I'm not sure if or when that will make it to the pumps, but it would be pretty nice to save a couple dollars there because I know folks have been seeing those prices lately. I know we were just talking, I feel like we were talking about it just in the last couple weeks about gas prices and uh, hopefully get a little relief there. Save a couple dollars always helps. Yes, I, my secret for gas is uh, I've d- decided to be um, loyal to one brand that has a little card that you can sign up for uh, for free. And so when I, you know, I, my rewards card, I get uh, five cents off per gallon every time I fill up, plus another five cents for something that I've been using that gas for so long, whatever, whatever, whatever. But uh, as you say, every little bit helps. So that seems to help me when I go and realize I get a little cheaper price at the pump than the average yeah. Joe. There you go. Uh, Today is Giving Tuesday. It originated either in 2011 or 2012 as a way to unleash the power of people and organizations to transform their communities in the world. It's traditionally the Tuesday after Thanksgiving during the beginning of the holiday shopping season. 
So, Ryder, tell us, how do you make decisions about charitable donations? Yes, so, and, and, and this is great. I did not realize, I did not realize that we didn't know the origin date of Giving Tuesday. We're just, we're just pegging it around 2011, 2012. That's interesting. So, I like how we talked about this as, as, as an, an approach to giving, and I will say I'm still developing my approach, but it is important that you have a, again, approach or a plan for it, because if you think about it, we're solicited for charitable gifts all the time. You get you get junk mail asking for donations to this, that, or the other. You are asked to round up your change in the grocery store. You see ads for charities. We are moving into the holiday season. We're about to have the Salvation Army bell ringers outside of uh, big shopping centers. Family and friends have ideas. Your school, your church, any place you've given before is no doubt sending you a solicitation you're just bombarded by this and and if your policy if your plan is just i'm gonna give a dollar ten dollars to everyone asks you know what that's fine that's great if you can afford that i will say you will probably have a lot more people asking for money next year if you do that but you would also you would also give a lot. You would spend a lot, and your impact would be really mixed. If you if you gave ten dollars to your college that was in the midst of raising ten million dollars for a building, you know that that's great. I'm sure they'd appreciate your ten dollars. If you if you give ten dollars to someone at your church raising money for a mission trip and they need a thousand dollars that's you have a bigger impact there if you gave ten dollars to to an organization that 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 fed the hungry you know i'm thinking something like stew pot and jackson that ten dollars can go to giving meals to a lot of people and and so your impact for that same gift can can be drastically different so i think that it's important parts of your giving plan or your giving approach, however you want to talk about it, is one, you know, have a budget. If it's going to be just a straight dollar amount every year, maybe a straight dollar amount every month, maybe you want to do a percentage of your income. Traditionally, a lot of folks want to do tithing in their church, and I take that. I, I, I do give to my church, but it's all part of, I do try to give 10% of my income. It's just kind of my guideline. And then once you have that, have a minimum gift. If you if you just want to give $5 again to everyone who asks, that that's great. But if you want to start looking at it at well, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give these serious gifts of fifty dollars. I'm gonna give a hundred dollars at a time when it's something that compels me. That doesn't mean you can't you know throw an extra ten dollars in the offering plate, give an extra couple dollars to the Salvation Army bell ringer. Not saying you can't do that, but but really think, okay, I want to have a fifty dollar impact. And if, if, that's, if that's appropriate for this organization, then that's going to be part of it. Also know the areas that you care about, what areas you want to give to. Do you, are, you, are you passionate about education? Are you passionate about your church? Are you passionate about feeding the hungry? Are you passionate about animals? What are the areas you really care about? So when you start getting, because you will, again, always get unsolicited requests for donations 
you can start judging them in that lens. You may even do it by place. I really do try to focus on organizations in the Jackson area and in Mississippi specifically, because those are places where I can see that impact. And I, it, it, it's around me all the time. I, I can see the need, I understand the need a little better. You know, I understand the need of a homeless shelter in Jackson more than I understand the need of a homeless shelter in Seattle, Washington, right? I can see that and I can understand it. And so that's the last thing I'll consider in your giving plan and your charitable approach is what do you want in return? You know, what do you, do you want to, do you want to see it? Do you want to visit this project? Do you want acknowledgement? Do you want to be able to participate? And there's a lot of ways you can participate from volunteering on a project, from volunteering things like Habitat for Humanity. You can go build, help build a house. You can go help clean up a neighborhood with various projects going on. Do you want to participate in that way? Do you want to participate by proposing projects? How do you want to be involved? That's another important thing to consider because depending on how you want to be involved, you may want to give more or less money to specific organizations to, to kind of get that connection and involvement. Yeah, I like what you said about uh, the budget and things because it's sort of keeping some of the same ideas that we talk about in terms of good money management in general, sort of use those same principles uh, when you think about your, your charitable giving. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and it not only helps you set limits, but it also helps you set, like I said, a minimum amount. You you may you, you may really truly think oh, I am going to spend I'm going to give X dollars or I'm going to give X percent, but then if you look at it at the end of the year and you haven't given that much, it kind of frees you to to give more generously or really think a lot more about what you want to give and and giving is something you should do joyfully you should be excited about giving. And so I think that's an exciting thing to look at and say, oh, gosh, you know, I have another $250 that I promised myself I was going to give out. And it's December. I've got to get it out. Who, who's going to get that benefit? And thinking about that, that can be really exciting, I think. You know, one of the things you mentioned is one of the ways I like to donate to charitable causes, and that's the idea of the rounding up. I know there's a sandwich shop that I go to that uh, they round up for a charitable cause, and I've seen it elsewhere. Or the other one is, you know, the at the grocery store or whatever, a dollar or five dollars, and they give you a little thing where you can sign your name on it and that sort of thing. I find those, I guess, kind of an easy way to do it. And again, if it's something that you know where the money's going and think that's a good idea, that's, that's a way that you can add in because it seems rather trite to say it, but in those instances, the little bits do add up uh, to make, uh, uh, you know, a significant difference. So, Absolutely. If you have a question for our experts, send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Today we're talking about charitable giving. We'd like to hear your feelings on the topic. When do people give to charities? We'll tell you that information next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio.
Make a difference this Giving Tuesday by donating your unwanted automobile to the MPB Foundation. We accept cars, trucks, boats, RVs, and more. Vehicle donations have the potential to bring hundreds and sometimes even thousands of dollars to the cause that you care about. Plus, donating is easy. We pick up the car for free and handle all of the paperwork. Call 877-672-4227 or visit mpbf.careasy.org. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You're listening to Money Talks. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app. Then you get to listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all of the local MPB Think Radio programs on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here today with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Not surprising, but according to the Farm Bureau Financial Services, December is the largest giving month of the year. So, Ryder, we talked about why someone might want to donate to a charity. Let's talk now about who to donate to or rather not to donate to. So how can you check to see if a potential char- a charity you're potentially thinking about giving to is legitimate? Ooh, yes. And this is rough. You don't want to be – you don't want to give your – your charitable gifts to someone who is not going to be using them well be they illegitimate or just just not not truly making good use of your money the first thing i would do is just kind of avoid cold solicitations especially if you're not doing much research on them it's it's not it's not just oh we need to see that this place is legitimate but are you need to know if they're impactful and do they do what they say they do are they truly aligned with again your charitable approach that we talked about a few minutes ago is it is it an area is it in the right geography is it something that really pulls on your heartstrings and makes you open up your wallet so if a charity solicits from you and that appeals to you and it kind of fits in with something you want to give, that's when you want to start thinking, okay, I want to do a little bit of research. And the first thing I want to say is not just say, is this one legitimate, but is, is this the, the best one in the field? There may be, if this is a charity you had not given to before, then maybe there's other charities that are doing better work maybe maybe places you already give to are doing this work and you can engage with them in that way but of course there's a lot of ways to check each individual charity i think one basic thing is just check that charity's website see if they have an annual report they should give information such as what they receive in donations where they receive that from are our individual donors a big part of what they do or do they receive grants from other charities or governments how are they spending that money what are the projects that they're highlighting are they good stewards of the money that they receive do they have just a, a huge built-up endowment and they don't seem to be spending it or or is there 
or are they spending every dollar and really putting it to work? Just kind of what do you, what, what are they doing with that money and, and, and does that feel right for the mission to you? Of course, search on the IRS if it is if you are making this as a tax deduction deductible charitable donation, you do need to see if it is a legitimate charity to see if it is eligible if your gift will be eligible for a charitable deduction. So they must have a 501c3. There's a fair couple of flavors of 501c statuses. Churches and schools often are slightly different but still count as deductible. I will say if you are searching on the IRS's website, and this is just from my experience, it may take a little longer for new organizations to get into the database, and some will have very little information. They have a pretty, if a charity takes in less than $50,000, which if you think about it, if, if you find a charity which is taking in less than $50,000 and is doing impactful work that you support, your gift can go a long way there, certainly longer than someone who's taken in $50 million a year. And it may take them a little while for them to get in the system just because it's based on the tax filings and that can that can be um, a couple of, that can be over a year uh, in arrears. In By state, uh, in Mississippi, the Secretary of State is the charitable regulator so just check there make sure again it's it, it is actually an active charity there's no big red flags there they should have records of complaints things like that also the better business bureau does um, offer some reports on large charities and there are charitable search organizations like GuideStar, uh, those have gotten, there's a, there's a handful of those and they're okay. They do kind of give their own ratings, but also they have kind of stopped offering a lot of useful information. But I do think the charity's own website and an annual report, particularly if it's large enough to have an audited annual report, that would be significant and you could trust that. And then what have they filed with the IRS? That will also show you that'll show you where they're getting some of that money, what they're doing with some of that, how much they're spending and how much they're paying kind of their key executives, which may or may not matter to you. But those will be some very good sources to start getting a good idea. But again, especially for an unsolicited request for a donation, you might want to start by just saying, does the, is this an area that appeals to me? And what are other organizations doing the same thing? And who's going to be the most impactful? A couple of things you mentioned that I really like. The, the first one, as you said at the top, then there's a difference between someone who maybe is scamming versus a charity that might not be as efficient with the money that you send them with the administrative costs and that sort of thing as others. So that's a good thing to, to weigh that out to see where your, your buck is going to make the most bang. And also, you talked about the cold call, and as we mentioned in the first segment, if you've sort of got your your spending plan down and your priorities and you've done some research, you know, maybe the cold call will tug at your heartstrings, but it's easier to avoid that way if you've kind of done your homework, as it were, and know where you want to put uh, put your money and what types of, of, uh, of charities. So there are different ways to donate to a charity, uh, Ryder. I think uh, monetary is the most obvious one, but that's not the only one. 
Yes, absolutely. And let me tell you, charities love when you just write them a check and don't tell them where to spend it because they look. The, the charity is established. They do. They do have some expertise in the area. They do kind of know what is the most, the, what is the biggest need here today. And also, if everyone gives to a specific project and nobody gives them enough money to keep the lights on, well, it's going to be really hard for them to keep operating as a charity, no matter how successful they are at fundraising. So that is the most basic, making a donation by check, credit card, just kind of the cash-like payments. I will say you do want to get a receipt for any of these, so actually giving cash American printed dollars uh, maybe not the most efficient way to give but again for a lot of solicitations you're gonna you're gonna have something you can mail in you're gonna have something you can give online that's gonna give you a paper trail if you're giving on a credit card that gives you we've discussed this a lot a, a little layer of protection there if if even even if it's not that in, you know, a, a scam or an illegitimate charity, uh, difficulty with the payment processor, let's say, that will help you out there. You can also give goods. So places are always doing uh, can drives. Right now, Toys for Tots, you know, giving toys. And when you're giving things like that, and you can give year-round to thrift shops, charity-run thrift shops. And when you give to those, you need to keep real careful records of what you gave. If you gave something new, keeping a receipt, keeping a record of what that price was, and if you gave something used, you know, take a note of what it was, not just I gave a bunch of clothes. Say specifically, I gave five shirts, two pairs of pants, a pair of shoes in good condition so that you can value those. Again, if you're doing significant giving and and deducting that off your taxes, you're going to want to have careful records just, just in case you need to demonstrate or, or show exactly what you gave. There are places, of course, MPB advertise it all the time. I heard it just before the top of the show. You can give a, a, a car, truck, boat, RV. I think Java once said you can give an airplane if you have it. <laughs> um, and I guess working or not on airplanes, we can have Java weigh, weigh in on that. I don't, I don't know if that's a personal use thing, Java. <laughs> um, so they can, you can donate those running or not because those are, even a not running vehicle can be a fairly valuable donation. So again, keep track of what you have given. Was it a 1996 Toyota Tercel, was it running or not? And you can check the value of that. There's a lot of places to do that. True Car, Kelly Blue Book, great places to look. And again, that's just like giving toys or, or clothes to a thrift store. You need to keep track of that. You can also give other properties. You can donate a house if you want. You can give art, jewelry, stocks. You can give anything of value you can give. And, and when it's not just a dollar amount or a check or a credit card processing where you get a dollar amount on your statement, it is always going to be important to, to make careful note, when did you give it, what was it, what condition was it in. So when you assess the value, again, when we're talking about donating a plane or a house, we're talking about fairly significant values. And it's important that, it's important that you get that right. One, for your own taxes, 
making sure you get the, a, a deduction that you are going for and two for uh, j just in case anything comes back to you. And most charities, not all charities are gonna be set up to receive kind of the weirder things. Like not all charities are, are gonna know what to do if you say you want to give them a house. But there are organizations that can help with that. And, and a lot of slightly larger charities will have a good idea of how that process could work. They, most of them, I believe, you know, if you give, if you give a plane to MPB, it is, it is not going to be Kevin Farrell who is sitting around figuring out <laughs> what to do with it. Java may take the keys to that plane, but most likely they're working with a larger organization who can do all, who can handle all of the processing of that. And the same goes for real estate. You can give their community foundations who can process, who can help process these larger gifts and then help you over time distribute the money to smaller organizations in the areas that they work in and that is a great that is a great solution there. Um, and by the way, uh, MPB is encouraging you on Giving Tuesday to donate your unwanted vehicle, as uh, Ryder talked about. Uh, they have a team that'll get the, the most money for you, and so it's a bigger bang for us as well. Uh, it's a free pickup. They handle all the paperwork. If you'd like more information about how you can donate your vehicle to MPB on this Giving Tuesday, just go to mpbonline.org and find the link there, and you will find the information that you need. Also, uh, Ryder, you had mentioned earlier you can always volunteer volunteer your services habitat for humanity is what you mentioned also you can volunteer to be a bell ringer i did that one year so we're talking about charitable donations do you think people or corporations give the most to charities which is it we'll tell you next this is money talks on mpb think radio Tuesday movement by donating your unwanted vehicle to support Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We accept cars, trucks, motorcycles, boats, RVs, and more. To get started, call 877-672-4227 or go to mpbf.careasy.org. Our vehicle donor support representatives are available seven days a week to support you with your donation. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal financial broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. He's a chartered financial analyst and holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Charitable organizations depend on donations from individuals. In fact, donations received by nonprofit organizations are largely made by individuals. For example, in 2019, individual giving made up 69% of all giving. We are talking about charitable giving today. We've discussed this in various ways on Money Talks before. We've talked about Giving Tuesday, community foundations, scams. Uh, we did one on charity fraud with then-Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman. We'll have links to those past podcasts on the information page for this podcast. So, Ryder, before we return to our charity discussion, you have an email, I believe. 
Yes, Kevin. So we have an email. Someone saying too little, too late. And oh, I hate to hear it. Uh, he says, I'm a 57 year old man with no retirement savings. My employer does offer a 401k plan, but I would be able to contribute so little at this point that I question if it is even worth participating. What advice do you have for me? Like I said, oh, it's it's tough when somebody is 57. It sounds like he's pretty close to retirement. He didn't give specifics there. Sounds like he's pretty close to retirement with nothing saved up. It doesn't participate in the employer 401k. So think about a few things. One, saving more money is almost always a good thing. As long as you're not hurting yourself to save that money, I think I think it's important and you should do what you can. Saving does two things. It gives you money for later. It takes some of your money now and, and holds it for you in the future. And two, it reduces your needs and your and your spending habits now. If you earn $100 and you spend $100, then in the future, you will probably need that same $100. If you earn $100 and you spend 80 of it and you save 20 of it, well, in the future, you may only need 80 and you'll have a little bit of money saved up. So you'll be, you'll start to, that money will start to build up what you're, what you, what you need to live off of in the future. And also in this case, there is a bonus there. You also save on taxes. He mentioned it's a 401k. You could also, it may also have a Roth option, which could save on your future taxes by allowing that to grow. Because think about it, he's only 57. A 57-year-old man, I do not have an actuarial table pulled up in front of me, but he may have another 25 or 30 years of living and spending to do. And and so it, it's not just, oh, well, I'm going to retire when I'm 65 and I'll need a couple dollars then. No, you'll need money when you're 65. You'll even need money when you're 70. You'll need money when you're 75, 76, 78. You'll need money when you're 80. Um, you will need money in the future. So saving is, is, generally speaking, not a bad idea. Second thing I would say is, is, is it really does depend, though, on what your plan is. How much longer are you going to be working? Where is your money going to come from in retirement? If you've looked at it and you've looked and seen your Social Security statement and you say, okay, well, Social Security is actually going to provide everything that I need, then you might be fine. That's not going to be the case for most people. And like we've discussed so many times, even Social Security Administration says that Social Security is not meant to replace all of your income. It is not meant to be your sole source of income in retirement because it only replaces a fraction of your income of what you had earned during your working life. It is a great benefit. It is there till you die. It is inflation adjusted, but it just might not not do everything you need. Also, having some savings set aside helps when you have when you have emergencies. Sure, Social Security might provide you $1000 a month, but what happens in the month when you need to spend 2000? Do you do you have that extra $1000 saved up? So that's what savings will help with, you know, and thinking about do you need to reduce your future needs by by spending less now and getting into the habit of spending less or paying off debts? Or do you just need to save so you can increase your future assets for those what-if moments? So that's that's what I would say. Uh, 
it never hurts to keep saving and uh, always consider it in, in, in a broader plan of, of what are you going to need in the future. One other thought that I had, uh, he said that he thought it you know, was a little bit little, too little too late, but if I'm correct, don't most 401k plans have that matching uh, from the employer? That's true. There could be matching. Not all do. Some do. Some are more generous than others. So if there is matching, I'll always tell folks that is basically free money. Please take advantage of that at the very minimum. Uh, you know, I understand that getting started with your retirement savings at age 57, I can't tell you save X percent so that you'll be ready to retire when you hit age 65. I'm just going to have to pull out a ludicrous number. You should save like 300% of your income probably. And that's not helpful advice. But take advantage of, of money that is available for you. Take advantage of, of, of benefits that are available for you. Absolutely. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We've got a call around the line, so we'll say good morning to Merrill. Merrill, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I, I, I'm circling back around to how you started talking about charitable giving. I'm, I'm the executive director of Habitat for Humanity, Mississippi Capital Area, and I can tell you that almost on a daily basis this time of year, we receive stock transfers. And um, it is a huge, huge gift to us because uh, um, I know that people are giving that money out of their um, charitable, what is it, Ryder, the charitable... So they can have stock transfers might be just coming from a regular investment account. And so that's super important because we're talking about somebody's savings that they have built up and invested and grown. They're giving stocks because they've been highly appreciated. They've grown a lot since they originally invested. So not only does this person have maybe an attachment to that stock, but that's money that they set aside years ago, and now they're dedicating it to a charity. And that's a really – and those can be large and very powerful gifts, I know. Well, and, and, and they're so appreciated. And, you know, the funny thing is is that when someone gives us a dollar, we turn it into – a dollar eighty in the community with you know purchasing materials and paying subs and and taxes and our homeowners become longtime uh, you know homeowners and taxpayers and and so it it's great that someone honors us with their money but that we can in turn turn it into more and more and uh, um, improve improve the lives of the people who you know buy the houses so I'm all for stocks that's a that's a great gift um, good to hear from you Merrill now if someone does the route of uh, volunteering on a, a habitat house there's no level of competence or proficiency need I mean there there are jobs on the works out I imagine that anyone at any skill level could do Absolutely, and we have the world's best site supervisors who love to teach people how to do things they've never had the opportunity to learn. Uh, they showed me how to use a, a, a chainsaw the other day, which was uh, they rarely let me out on the work site, but uh, <laughs> you know, but they're they're kind and they're and they they're patient and they you know we love our volunteers. And you know the funny thing is is that we get to claim the hours when we talk about the value of the work. Um, 
I'm sorry, I don't remember what the hourly rate is, but we in turn report that we had X number of thousands of volunteer hours, and that um, that gives us better rankings with uh, um, with not-for-profits. So, it, you know, we love volunteers. We love people to apply to be Habitat homeowners, and we love folks who remember us with their end-of-the-year giving and um, with any of their funds that they have available that they want to, you know, improve the lives of fellow Mississippians. So I, I, I applaud y'all for talking about it. We don't directly participate in Giving Tuesday. It was cumbersome for us, but we do reap the benefits of people looking up and going, oh, I should make that gift today, which makes it so nice to go into the end of the year uh, in a strong financial position. All right. Again, thanks for the call, Merrill. Good to hear from you. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines next. It's uh, Gail in Long Beach. Good morning, Gail. You're on the air. Good morning. I worked for a company that I was invested in, and my account was like from Transamerica. And at the time, you know, of course, I was too young to do anything with it. And when I looked into it, because I wasn't getting statements, I found out that the owner of the company moved all the accounts. And when I finally found the name of the company that was handling it, I went to it, and my account is not listed individually. It's only listed under the company itself. <laughs> yeah, Gail. So, what, what was your? I, I this is this is a situation I have seen. I understand how this sort of thing happens. What, what was your question about this? Where can I find my money now that I am old enough not to be penalized, or I want to roll it over into? I know for one, I just need to find it. Got you. So you located the company that they moved the accounts to, is that correct? Uh, Yes, I don't recall it, but I have to look it up again. Yes, that is correct. And were you able to contact them and ask them about what your options for taking that money out are? Well, unfortunately, when I went to look up my account in that company, it did not exist. Only my employer's, my past employer name was linked to that uh, new company. In other words, so, it wasn't like individuals, like they took everybody's money and just put it under those. Okay. So are you saying that you were able to log in and view everybody's money in that plan? No. Or are you I saying that you found a portion of money which was yours but under the name of the company? I was not able to find any of my money. Okay. So what it sounds like this situation is fairly normal. Transamerica, for instance, you mentioned they are a large uh, servicer of 401k plans. There's Fidelity is the largest 401k servicer. Transamerica has a handful. There's a lot of companies that do this. Uh, a 401k plan is actually a single plan. I, most 401k servicers do break it out so that you can see your specific assets, your specific account, and it sounds like maybe there was some uh, 
employee stock purchase account in that as well when you refer to investing in your the company that you work for so that is possible and the, but the account is a is, is a single large 401k trust essentially and, and, and you have a designated portion so the company does have the ability to move their 401k service or move their 401k provider they do not generally speaking have the ability to take money out of your account any money that you put into your 401k is generally speaking always yours money that the company puts in as a match they can have some strings on that and they can use those strings to pull it back for instance they can say oh you need to work here for three years before you get this money oh you need to you will get this money you know five percent you know ten percent every year for x number of years before it's all I, yours I if, I, yeah I, I was told i was fully vested Sure. So what I would suggest, and so it sounds like they have moved the servicer. Again, pretty normal thing. You should, if there is any value in that account, you should still have it. So a couple of things could have happened if the if if your money was all in as you say, it sounds like invested in the company's stock, that could have declined precipitously. That could have that could have actually disappeared if the company stock went to zero. The company can still exist when their stock uh, goes to zero, but uh, it's not in great shape. So that could have happened. Another thing that could have happened is that when they changed servicer, if it had been, for instance, a long time since you communicated with Transamerica, they may have thought, they may have said, oh, well, we tried to get in touch with her. We couldn't get in touch with her. We have sent this money to the state. And so you, living in Mississippi, I would check with the Treasury Department. Uh, Department of Unclaimed Property is where that would go. Uh, and if the company is located in another state, you may want to check in that state's unclaimed property. That is a place where it can go if they, because if they cannot find you and they needed you to do this transaction, again, typically they don't, but they may have just said, we can't find her, we're sending this off. Uh, another thing that could have happened is they may have automatically just opened up an account for you at Transamerica and it's still there. It's just in a different place. So the two places I would check first, though, is one with Transamerica and just see when when this transfer took place, what did y'all do with my account? They should still have those records. Uh, I will say dealing with Transamerica, it is it's, you're not going to have a pleasant day on the phone with that. The other place I would call is the new servicer. So just explain. Explain just like you said to me. I haven't worked for this company for a long time. Used to have the account at Transamerica. Did my account move over? Did money for me move over? If so, what are my options for withdrawing that, for turning that into an income stream, for moving that into an IRA? That's where I would start first. If neither of those two have records, it's probably going to be with unclaimed property, either in your state or wherever the company is. Okay. Thanks. But absolutely, good luck trying to find that. That's I mean, that's uh, that's a nightmare situation that I, I, I wish nobody would have to deal with. All right, Gail. Thanks for the call. Hope we could uh, give you a little bit of assistance there on your problem. We're talking about charitable giving on Money Talks. We'll be back after this.
This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. We're glad you found our show, Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Ryder Taft, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder. Tuesdays at 10, immediately following Money Talks, you can listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. So, Ryder, it's unfortunate, but, you know, there are a lot of uh, scammers out there, phishing scams, those sorts of things. So if uh, you're approached by a charity that you think is a scam or is trying to scam you, what, what do you think people should do? For the most part, some people... Hang on just a second, Ryder. We're having some uh, technical issues, I think. We're trying to resolve that. Um, But we are talking about uh, charitable giving this morning. And one of the things that I wanted to mention, too, and talking about when you, if you decide to give uh, goods uh, or services or goods to uh, something, uh, check with them to make sure that it's something that they need. I know a lot of, uh, like, food banks and things get a lot of food, uh, but uh, sometimes they need specific items that are really the ones that they need the most. And so uh, try to think about um, not only giving, but to try to give something that you think will be useful and to actually check with uh, the uh, the group that you're trying to work with to make sure um, that you're, you know, you're giving uh, what they need so that your contribution can do the most good. Uh, Java, did we get our technical issue worked out? There we go. Right. Sorry about that, Ryder. Talk about what you think someone should do if they think uh, there's a scam involved. Yes. So if you think something is an outright scam, not just, oh, this isn't a charity that I like, but this is a scam. This is not a legitimate charity. This is just somebody who is sending me a letter saying they have a charity and asking for my money. Then you should definitely check out any consumer protection office with your state. Like I said, charities are regulated by the Secretary of State. So if somebody is posing as a charity, then you're in Mississippi, the Secretary of State in some states it's maybe an attorney's general something else though that would be the office to make a complaint to you can try to verify the name there's a lot of ways you can check this out so you may you may see something with it say the red cross is a large national charity maybe somebody has done something called the 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 pink cross i don't know i'm just making up things here but they might try to choose a name that's similar to a well-established charity go to that well-established charity if if, if some if you feel that someone is trying to mislead you about what the charity is say somebody is saying oh we're we are the red cross send send your money here check that address on the red cross website call the red cross you can find their number and 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 ask you know find the legitimate charities they might be trying to to imitate Uh, don't give into any kind of sales tactics again if someone calls you and says oh you need to donate a hundred dollars today this is why you want to have a charitable giving plan you you don't want to you don't want to have to make those decisions on the spot you want to have made those decisions in advance and you want to be able to say you know what i've already given all that i can afford this month or this year or 
you know, this is not an area that I give to or I am happy to give. Could you send me some more information and I'm going to consider it later today? There is never an urgent reason to donate to charity unless it is your own reason of, of it being near the end of the year and you're trying to get a tax deduction. So always don't send cash. Uh, if you're paying with a check, make sure you are making it out clearly to the charity. And, and uh, you can use a credit card. Again, offers you a little extra protection there on, on payments. All right, that's going to wrap us up for today. Just a reminder, MPB is encouraging you on this Giving Tuesday to donate your unwanted vehicles to us. Uh, if you'd like to start that process, you can call the number one eight seven seven mpb the number 4 car Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by the generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show was engineered today by Java Chapman, and our call screener was Lisa Lancaster. For Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to join us Tuesdays at 9 for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. podcast.